This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, Blade Disgusting's horror video game podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger. And I'm the other one, Neil Paul. And this week we're chatting about the first-person shooter, monster-hunting melancholy of Hunt Showdown from developer Crytek, in which the player takes on the role of a bounty hunter, contending with not only slaying horrific monsters, but also other competing player-controlled bounty hunters across an open-world landscape of 1890s Louisiana. But it isn't just Neil and I stalking our way through this inherently hostile PvP and PvE world, as we've once again recruited the always welcome insight of game designer and Blade Disgusting contributor Aaron Bame. Aaron, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. It's uh, always great chatting games with you, and especially for me, a game like this that I'm so intimidated of just from it, like hearing that name when you were like, oh, it'd be great to chat about this. It's like, oh, that's a game that I had heard about years ago when it came out. And I was like, oh, that's probably too hardcore for me to ever get into. And right off the bat, I have to pimp your article that you published earlier this week for Blade Disgusting, uh, where you did like a tips and tricks, right, for newcomers to kind of get into this game that seems very insurmountable or it seems like it's strictly for hardcore players. But I think with your article, you did a good job of kind of highlighting elements of it that make it far more accessible or it takes away some of that... Uh, you know, hesitation to dive into something that is notoriously hardcore, but, you know, like anything, there are steps to acclimate oneself with it. Yeah, I'm by no means an expert at the game, but I am an expert at learning the game because I've done that recently. <laughs> so um, I thought that those insights would definitely be helpful to uh, to newcomers, since especially since there's a new event going on and they recently posted that they had hit an all-time concurrent high players on Steam. So uh, it seemed definitely seemed I played that day and there were a lot more players and it was definitely seemed as though a lot of experienced players came back because I was getting <laughs> slaughtered constantly. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was my first time playing and I definitely had that kind of experience where it was kind of 50-50 for me, right? Half the time it was clearly newbies like me because I kept, you know, preying upon people that were staring at objects that they were trying to interact with probably for like far longer than they should have been. So I was capitalizing on that. But then at the same time, I was kind of getting sniped from across the map. But at the same time, I found that Hunt is a game that has multiple avenues of success. And that's always something that with multiplayer horror games, I always gravitate towards personally. Games where it's like, okay, maybe you're not going to be going after players, but sometimes you could just focus on, you know, the PVE portion of the game, right? Where you can go off and kill monsters or hunt for those clues that lead you to the bosses and whatnot. Um, but I guess for people that haven't played Hunt or they're not familiar with Hunt, what would sort of your elevator pitch for Hunt be to people that normally don't play a lot of uh, multiplayer horror games? Sure. It's, um, you know, it's a, uh... 
a monster hunting game, like you said. Uh, it's basically like um, a battle royale game, except instead of um, instead of solely trying to kill each other, um, you and and like being constricted by that circle. Instead, you're all sort of being funneled by trying to hunt down this monster. Um, and yeah, I just I love uh, like what you said about having like different levels of success in it is exactly what I I love about the design of it because like you know I can be pretty bad at at actual shootouts sometimes um you know if i get in uh you know a pretty fair shootout it's likely that somebody's gonna outgun me because i'm just not as quick at reflexes um but but if i if i get a run where it's just you know me going straight to the boss and not having to run into anybody else um that can also be pretty easy um or that can be that can be a satisfying match even if i don't run into anybody and still be very tense um and it's not always about um, killing the other player because sometimes I get in things where I'll be pinned down uh, after killing a, a boss, but I'll be able to grab that bounty and sneak out without having to kill the person. Like I'll just I'll just know exactly the right way to either um, know where the other person is coming from and cover my tracks fine and uh, get away from them without them knowing where I'm going or um, or that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, I think I think what you said about that multiple avenues of success is is a very appealing thing to it. Um, I think sometimes in multiplayer games, like I don't play a lot of multiplayer games at all. Um, it's just not super appealing to me for the most part. And I think sometimes it's because that feeling of like going into some sort of deathmatch type thing and then just getting killed over and over again and, and not really getting anything out of it. And this, it's like, you can get experience from killing monsters and you can have a satisfying time, you know, going around and killing all these different types of monsters and, and gaining this sort of level of mastery over them, like figuring out how to deal with each of them. Um, and then you, you can also get experience for each weapon, you know, so you want to be, you can mix up weapon types and all that sort of stuff. Um, so you're also mechanically incentivized to be switching things up with weapon wise. Um, so yeah, it's just a lot of different avenues to play that really, really make it feel good, even if you're just going in and your game ends with you getting shot from somebody 100 meters away. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that multiple avenues of success, I think, is what stopped me from bouncing off. Obviously, I was going to play as much as I could this week and prep for this, but it's a game that I feel like I could sink another 10 20, potentially 30 hours into, you know, post this conversation and being a game that falls into my normal wheelhouse, because even in those matches where, you know, like you had said, I'm not necessarily a big multiplayer gamer. And, you know, I'm, if I get into a one-on-one shootout, chances are I'm going to be the one that gets killed. But again, like we've been mentioning that that is not reliant on me feeling successful at the end of a match. Even if I get killed, I think about, and granted, when you have an open world and players are starting at different corners of the map and whatnot, you're not going to run into people right off the bat. But at the same time, like that opportunity allows you to really dictate your own sort of mini goals for each match. That even if I do get killed at the end, you know, if I was playing for 20 minutes, it's frustrating. But then I remember immediately like, oh, well, these are all the side things that I accomplish, whether it be leveling guns, whether it be just getting XP for, you know, hunting a lot of those PVE monsters that are roaming around. Uh, Neil, for you, I mean, you had played the game upon release and really enjoyed mm -hmm. it, but I think it's fair to say, like, you have not played it frequently since it was released. So how did you find Hunt after a good chunk of time away from it? So this is quite fittingly a multifaceted answer. I... 
Yeah, initially, my problem with any online game, even like a couple of years ago backwards, was not having internet I could rely upon to make it worthwhile, you know. And that constant fear is almost like the start of a relationship, you know, where you're worried that if you put too much into it and it dies off on you and goes away that you, you feel like you've wasted your time and mm. you know, you've invested too much. And in multiplayer terms, that's like if a game dies effectively and, you know, it's player numbers dwindle and looking at what hunt was and still is, it was, it really did feel like a hard sell to the, you know, the casual player. And I think it's easy to get sort of caught up in the idea that everything has to be super successful to maintain a live service sort of environment. And yeah, I don't, you know, Crytek have shown doesn't have to be, you know, millions of people playing a game every day to, you know, poodle along and sort of build a nice following as you go. Because they've stuck to their guns. They've not gone halfway through, oh shit, this isn't working. Let's try something else. That They've rigidly stuck to the idea of what they're doing. Now, one of the things beyond that that didn't sort of work for me then and still doesn't if I can't have a certain set of headphones on is um, the audio. Now, the audio in Hunt Showdown is immense. It's a spectacular part of why the game works. You know, it tells you how far away someone is in terms of if they shoot. It makes you hear noises very close to you. Even if, you know, people are like creeping around, if they have to step on broken glass, you'll hear it. And it, it's fascinating and fantastic. But I've really, really struggled to sort of have that experience without headphones. You know, I mean, the game is one of those that encourages that from the start. And so recently, in the recent months, with two things happened, of course, you know, I've had better internet since last year, which is stable can play a lot more multiplayer stuff and be very happy with it great so playing hunt was there to be done the other thing was last year i got given a razor headset for review and it i think it was actually earlier this year thinking about it and it's got haptic feedback in it so i don't know if i've clarified this on here before but you know i have no hearing in my right ear and this is why the audio side of things is a bit tricky for me because I can't really tell what where something's coming from unless it's you know in the good side. And so the interesting thing that that headset does is it replicates sound in the direction, you know, the sound vibration in the direction it comes from, and the strength is based on distance. So suddenly, in an ear that I can't hear in, have nothing in it. I can feel how far something is away, you know, in terms of noise. And it's honestly the closest I've ever been to feeling like I can hear properly, like probably, which is mad. And, you know, that's because of the sound design that they have in there means that they make it, you know, total 3D audio, which is, as I said, a big crucial part of why it works. And to actually get it on that level suddenly it was like okay wow i get this this is now i'm really really into this you know and yeah it's just 
hooked me back in in a way that, you know, as much as I enjoyed it the first time around and bits and bobs here and there, now I feel like I'm enjoying it like I should, you know? So so it's annoying, of course, if someone sort of wanders in as you're in a very tense standoff at the end of a match and says they want a drink of water, children. So <laughs> as happened, like, just before we were recording this, I was like, we, we've managed to steal the bounty off a team, thought we had all of them gone, Another one of them was still lurking about, sort of stalking us from the distance off. And yeah, they started picking us off. And like, yeah, that's when my daughter decided to come down and ask for a drink. <laughs> it's like, of course, I can't, you know, the, that's where not having full hearing is very difficult because you're like, <laughs> where do I go with this? But yeah, it it's so revelatory to have that this time and to appreciate everything that this game does so well in that regard. Well, you know, you bring up a great point with sound and how important the sound is not only to you being a, you know, participating for everybody, being a participating member of a squad, but furthermore, it in- reinforces how important stealth is and sound management is. And that's something that I was not anticipating going into the game. I kind of had this very rudimentary idea of what Hunt was. And, you know, and I think that, uh, again, like Aaron's article highlights that perfectly in terms of how important sound is. And it's not just the typical sort of approach to stealth, right? It's not just, well, yeah, you don't want to make a lot of noise because then you'll alert people. It feels like the world itself almost to a certain degree is designed with sound in mind. I yes. mean, if, even yeah. if you remove the enemies and the monsters, right, or even the other players, it's a world that feels abrasive to your presence because of how many sort of obstacles there are that just simply walking over them, you can't not, you know, be inundated with the fact that, oh, I'm making a lot of noise right now, whether it be environments that are littered with, you know, hanging chains, broken bottles, glass. But at the same time, like you have to be cognizant of wildlife in the game, which is a fantastic design element, I think, and something that furthermore, it should be like the benchmark for that. You know, we've obviously all played probably hundreds of games that have environments that are filled with animals or wildlife, but it always feels like set dressing, right? It always feels like, well, yeah, I'm in the jungle. I'm going to see birds or dogs or something. But the fact that your very presence triggers those and those inform the enemies of your location and whatnot, like that's something that blew me away and mm. just realizing, oh, I have to reteach myself almost like stealth <laughs> gameplay mm-hmm. uh which i just i love and it really really highlights just that this game while it, again i might find it and i'm sure others find it to be maybe difficult to approach off the bat there's a layer of depth to all of the mechanics that you kind of have to reteach yourself the way that our brains have been trained kind of to consume games specifically multiplayer games yeah there's an you know a lack of urgency is a big part of this you know it, it very quickly tells you that if you're going to go into this thinking you could just you know run around like you know call of duty or even Fortnite. you're not gonna it's not gonna be that you know you this isn't warzone it isn't that you can't do it you will get fucking found out if you're going around shooting off Every, so you know, it's annoying when you team up with strangers and you get one of those that are just like, I'm going to fire my gun off every five fucking seconds. And it's like, I'm going to go in the opposite direction to you because I know you're going to die. <laughs> <It's> like, 
That's why I played solo because you also get like a 500 XP bonus. Mm. I'm pretty sure if you play solo. So I, I not only avoided that issue, but I also was rewarded for that. <laughs> and again, that, yeah, there's a difference in that, you know, going from teamwork to solo mode. It's such a culture change in what you're doing. And yeah, they're uh, two diff- completely different ways to play. Um, you know, it's it, it feels different, especially so you were playing with random people, you said? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because gotcha. given timing and organizing things, it's like <laughs> most times I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I can get on with stuff, see what, sure. sort of get a feel for everything again. And generally, you know, you get decent people you know, who understand what the game is. But yes, occasionally you get online people who are very online and sure. uh, do their thing <laughs> so. sure because i usually either play solo or um with just one of my other friends like mm. i have one friend who um kind of at the same time as i got into it like we both bought it during the steam summer yeah. sale um this past june or whenever that was and um i was like hey you might like this game i'm not sure it seems like i played a little bit of it why don't you check it out and he's like oh yes this is exactly my game <laughs> so um yeah. so we we play it pretty frequently together and then i just do solo hunts i actually haven't even ever done it with a trio it's it's mostly just it's been entirely just solo or uh with with a with my buddy who i can directly communicate with and trust <laughs> trios again it, it's mm-hmm. different so different to doing duos as well because there's a definite feel there you know you know how many people are on a team that's it you know how many are gone and in trios it's always this have they gone off to do this have they done that it's like i go back to the match i had earlier it's like i'd seen them running away towards what would have been the extraction point and it seemed okay that's fine and then obviously it said that someone extracted with it but the thing of that is you don't have to extract as a team yeah, you, know, you can. One of you can just say, "Well, I got the token. I'm fucking off out of here." But so at least that sort of uncertainty, where it's like, "Oh, okay, so there could be someone around still." And I like that unpredictability of it. You know, um, I think what doesn't change out of any of the most though is that you are careful about what you do because you know that sort of like if you're down you're down and if you're on your own there's no one to revive you so you know that that is very battle royale rules in you know you're one and done in a team it's two things depending on how badly injured you are you know you can be killed outright and be done but you can also you know be down for a bit and your teammates are there to try and get you but that is very efficient tactic for calling out the rest of a team to come and rescue. Yeah, you, know, you can bait a team into so getting the wounded soldier. So and hunt as a name, it really does work for this game on so many levels because it, it does everything to make it feel like a hunt, not just of the monsters but of the other players. And going to the wildlife aspect of it, that you were saying, Jay, you know, stuff like the crows flying off or the, or the dying horses, sort of getting excited or the dogs and knowing that they will you know, get agitated and give away your position you know, effectively like that. It's like a, a strange inversion of like um, if you were to play a hunting simulator, which I've I had to be doing for a review recently, well, you know, little things like that do give you away. And so you're constantly fighting this urge to sort of push through and see if you can get away with it and, yeah, the balance of that is 
where the tension lies, isn't it? Yeah, I think what draws me to this so much more than any other game is just how deliberate it is. Like, everything just feels so deliberate, and it feels like if you play smart, that can make up for the fact that you may not have the better reflexes. Like, um, I... I told the I told the story in my article, but like the perfect thing of using sound design was I always remember one time I was stalking through the woods and I had a bow and arrow, and um, I just like I out of the corner of my eye I saw and heard like I saw some ducks fly up and I heard them just like very faintly and I was like okay there's someone over by the water, um, so I just like crouched over there stayed in the wo- stayed in the bushes um, and then like I heard bees so I was like okay they're fighting. There's somebody over there fighting one of the hives. And then I just like waited and I saw him drop back and I just put a, put a, like, I just waited cause I saw him healing and I took the per like I took my time, lined up the shot with the bow <laughs> and just took him down. And then his partner came back and had no idea where I was because I was perfectly silent and I just took him out too. And it was like, it wasn't because I was, you know, a better shot or better reflexes is because I took my time. I understood the cues. I, I, do exactly how you know i took advantage of every piece of the game design that was there um and and that was one of the most immensely satisfying moments just like just like knowing that i did i did everything right and then yes was rewarded for it yeah it's an anecdote heavy game in that regard mm-hmm. and i think yeah. Yeah, one of the early complaints about it was oh yeah it's repetitive you only do this thing but games like that you know, and while it isn't battle royale outright games like battle royale stuff you know, the idea is very simple, you know, and of course it's going to get repetitive if you play a certain way, but there are aspects of that that change and that's where you have to sort of appreciate the differences and the changes each time. Um, and here, because you can play it safe or reckless, if you really want to play it reckless and you think you're a hot shot, by all means you can do it, but you have to be real hot shit to do it. So... I just want to put. I had a conversation with an old colleague of mine at PlayStation Universe, uh, John Paul Jones, who's a managing editor there. And I I said, "Well, you know, you play Hunt a lot as well." And I was like, "So, give us an anecdote that you you were fond of." And he was saying to me how his favorite thing about it is how it incentivizes you to be a coward, you know, and and you can love being like that. So. His example was, you know, last weekend um, he'd spent a whole heap of time slowly stalking other hunters around the map, routinely being cloaked in the local flora and fauna like some poundland predator, as he put it. Um, so he waited for the opposition to murder the, the spider boss at the lumber mill. And at this point, he sat on his ass for a minute, snuck in, nabbed the bounty token and carefully made his way to the furthest exit on the map, as most folk tend to go for the closest uh, and basically, you know, didn't want to cut corners, but he said the whole thing of getting out then from that point, you know, it's a tactic he tried time and time again. And, you know, he'd failed on other occasions because, you know, you get impatient and, you know, you get up against a team that are really, you know, methodical and can take you out like that. But this time, you know, as tense as it was, he made it all the way across on his own with that, knowing that that could happen. And it was just such a satisfying feeling that he didn't have to fire a single shot, didn't have to do anything like that. And he said, you know, even though it says, you know, the game's mantra is almost about having like the biggest clanging brass balls, as you put it, mm-hmm. you know, to 
get your way to success. Um, it also rewards confrontation shy scamps and weasels like him that uh, make the most <laughs> of an opportunity without firing off a shot. And, mm-hmm. and that's beautiful that, you know, a game that is so, you know, focused on combat and the hunt of it, you can just get away with never, never doing anything and making the most of a situation like that. And yeah, I, I, as anecdotes go for sort of that side of what Hunt does, I was like, yeah, that's perfect. That is perfect. Well, that's the risk reward aspect of it that I think plays so well. And it shows why this game has even like the difficulty in terms of like getting a handle on that and then trying to master that. The risk-reward aspect is much like, you know, your gameplay options mm. or character progression options, like, are multifaceted because I definitely had an instance where I collected the bounty, right? I banished the boss, collected the bounty, and then was making my way to extraction. And then I saw a guy that kind of, like, was cutting across in front of me and couldn't see me. And I was like, have that split second where I'm like, am I going to engage and rack up some more XP or potentially loot right before the extraction? Or do I kind of just be happy with what I've achieved and then move on, which will be a guaranteed thing. Um, And, you know, it's probably why I'm a bad gambler. I always end up trying to, you know, (laughs) rack up as much extra rewards and whatnot as I can before I get out. But again, like I just love in a game that like you guys have both said is so anecdotally heavy. It at the same time though, the game itself provides that Mm. it provides that hesitation, no matter how many hours you've played, you know, you might be the best shot in this game, but it's an aspect that, I think really works for this game in that essentially other than player skill being aside, right? Everybody's on equal playing Mm. field. As far as I know, you know, there's perks, there's different, of course, weapons and things, which we'll get into, but that's the aspect that I think really allows this game to be differed from any, you know, it's obviously not a traditional battle royale, but we kind of have mentioned those as a general kind of uh, comparison, right? Everybody in this is on the same peg in terms of like health or resistance to a certain extent right Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about encountering a guy that has you know a high level armor i'm thinking about like my PUBG days where i was like oh well i see that he's got level three armor so now that's somebody that i probably am not going to engage in right but in this game it's the type of thing where if you stumble across somebody you don't know their skill level. So there's almost that little hesitancy in the back of your mind where it's like "Eh, i could probably take him which is false confidence and whatnot, probably on my part. But it still is the type of thing that the it's up to me and the game is not giving me any signals to indicate I should or shouldn't do something, which is something that I really find appealing about a game like this and why, you know, when you're talking about hunting and the idea of you can do solo, you can work with others, it's just an element that I feel gives the player a level of freedom that some multiplayer games maybe shy away from, right? They kind of want to give the player those cues so they can feel more informed about their decision-making or something. And I like the idea that me, a novice, potentially can have the upper hand on somebody that, you know, is a level 99 or whatever, or is far more experienced or a better shot than me. But kind of like Aaron's been saying, if you play to the strengths of the game's world itself and what the game allows you to do, I can be just as successful as somebody that has been playing since the game was released, whereas I've been playing for a week if I play to the strengths of the kind of world of the game itself, which, again, helps with something like balancing. Because, you know, for a hardcore experience, I might be more likely to bounce off. But that's because typically when I play these types of games, it's like, well, who's a better shot? 
But with a game like this, again, the fact that I can basically exploit the stellar sound design, the fact that I know that I can kind of zero in on a location of an enemy if they decide to be careless or reckless, all of a sudden I get the upper hand. And, you know, that's very empowering for me. And that's the kind of thing where I might not play it every night, but if I come to it a couple times a week, mm. I still have the capacity of, you know, feeling that it's rewarding, even if I get killed at the end of every match. <laughs> I think one of the smartest things that it finds ways to balance is like the ways it it doles out information. Like, um, like you know, you obviously all have this dark site that can limitly, you know, that can show within a specific range of like where specific clues are. And then that is a way to funnel people to the same spot. And you know, everyone else can see these same clues. And then um, when somebody's banishing, like it'll put that on the map, like that's where it is. You know that that is happening. You know how long it's going to take. Um, and that, that really gives you these options to like these, these moments of choice. Cause like, you know, me and my buddy will always have this like thing where if we see somebody's being banished and it's pretty close, we're like, okay, do we like, have we killed enough monsters that we should maybe just cut and run with the XP that we have? Or is this worth it, um, you know, risking this, this, or should we maybe take a guess at what extraction point they're going to go to? Cause you also can look at the map and know that there are three extraction points. Um, so you can, you can always use these little pieces of information. And then once they pick up the bounty, um, you can see where the, the people are moving with the bounty. Um, so you can track them like that. It, it's just this, this really smart doling out of information and, and knowing how much risk that, you know, how much risk versus how much reward that, that gives you. And then like the, once you have the bounty, you can use the dark site for a limited amount of time to see nearby enemy hunters. Um, and that's another little choice you have to make of, you know, how much, when do you want to use that? You know, do you want to use that immediately to make sure you have a, a clear exit? Do you want to wait while you, until you're making your path to the end, the exit? Um, it's, it's just very smart in the way that it uses these little bits of information. And it also, um, kind of knows it, it feels like it feels like they just like perfectly figured out the right balance for that because it's that that's something that you can completely over design like i remember um when i was in school i did a our, our student project our final student project was like a multiplayer game and there was a very there's like always the temptation to like well i'm going to i'm going to put in this mechanic and then to counter that mechanic, I have to put in this mechanic. And then to counter that mechanic, I have to put in this mechanic. And suddenly you've just like over-designed it to oblivion and it's not the same game you meant <laughs> yeah. it to be. Um, but they've, they found like a perfect balance of, of like giving you these little bonuses or when to give information, um, to everyone else, um, that, that really just makes it feel, feel fair, um, to everyone involved. Hmm. Yeah. And I think also, you know, using the map and, giving pl other players like cues about the things you mentioned, right? If they're banishing or if they've collected the bounty, right? If you're playing solo like me, then that sometimes, depending on how I've been doing or like my personal goals for that match, I could be like, oh, well, they're in that corner of the map. I'm going to go explore the other corner of the map instead, mm -hmm. um, which then almost feels like a safety blanket, which ends up being sort of like a false sense of security. Because even if you don't run into a hunter or a boss, right? The overall... Um, the overall sort of just instance that you're in, you're like, oh, well, there's still plenty of dangerous kind of, uh, let's say, lesser enemies that are in the world that uh, could still get you and, you know, deal a significant amount of damage to the point that if I do end up st uh, stumbling upon like a random hunter that is having the same idea as me, then all of a sudden I've been, you know, had 50% of my health bar depleted or I took <laughs> burn or poison mm -hmm. damage 
or something like that. Um, but I think before we dive into more about specifically like the enemies, whether the various tiers that they're at, the bosses themselves are sort of the world building that goes into this, which is pretty surprising the depth that this goes into for a competitive multiplayer game. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we'll dive into some more features about Hunt Showdown. And we are back chatting Hunt Showdown. And let's get into some of the world building because that was an element that I think really helped me to be more invested in this game that, again, has this high difficulty curve to it, but it doesn't feel like just a series of matches. They do a great deal, Crytek, of you know creating a world that feels lived in, that you can feel the history of. And, you know, that's pretty important when you're playing a Gothic Western, right? It's got this historically accurate setting with all of these very un-accurate uh, elements within it, but it all kind of flows together in a way that it makes this feel like a fully realized, like, fantasy world. Mm. That is just a level of depth that I don't typically associate with a lot of multiplayer-focused experiences. Yeah. So, you know, having this whole... Louisiana in the uh, end of the 19th century sort of thing going on you know naturally it has touch points to it that make you think of other games you know, go oh yeah it's got a bit of Red Dead to it for instance you know in uh, you know, whilst you know being slightly further back um, or Weird West yeah we, well, I mean, we're, we're, Weird West has come out and yeah very much been like an extension of that sort of idea you know of um, having a western style monster focused thing and that's a great selling point i think you know that you can it's odd you know we were talking about this you know we we had this game now as a prey has just come out you know the predator film not the game mm-hmm. and you know it being very much the same sort of thing in so many ways it's like here is a traditional experience but you know dragged back in time and limited somewhat to that time with a fantastical edge. And it works because of that, because it, it freshens up what is a well-worn idea. And so, you know, while this is like, oh, you know, the zombies and monsters, blah, 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 the setting and, you know, the hints of what is going on around it really do make it feel different to so many games that use the uh, same sort of thing so, you, know, you know that and the moody soundtrack you know the, that rhythmic chanting that you get is just you know it, it really does just capture a mood that um you know this, this sort of dark dying place that you know, you're basically just sort of coming in to sort of you know take pick up the scraps so to speak and yeah, I think you can go into it and enjoy it without even having to delve into it that much, you know. But mm. at the same time, if you want to, it's there. You know, the lore is there to sort of flavor it a bit more. But I don't know. I think one of the things I did like initially when I played it was this sort of mystery about what the fuck it all this is about. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. you know, why is it set here? What is going on? Like, why, you know, and... Yeah, you know, the trials mode that they have now, you know, where you can sort of like take little bits of certain hunters' stories and you know find out what they did and where their impact in this world comes. You know, while not you know overly sophisticated, does 
to sort of enrich the experience, you know. And in, I find, you know, when multiplayer games try to build a world around their game, like this, unless they are, you know, scripted to some degree, they often just can just shrug their shoulders and go, well, it is what it is. You know, like that. We, we can make up whatever shit we want because, you know, and I think, you know, when we think of like Battle Royale genre, as we, you know, PUBG's out there trying to make a whole fucking universe out of what? Nothing. You know, and like, you know, to the point, <laughs> you could tell how successful that was when, you know, the Callisto Protocol was like, no, we don't, we're not part of that anymore. And uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense. And, uh, you know, Fortnite, you know, as hard as it's tried to, you know, build this story over many years and it does work, but you could play that game and never know it. You know, and and never and ha- knowing any of it doesn't really matter, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Here, I just feel it's quite close to an immersive sim in that regard, where you can have a background to what you're doing, and you can be as into it as you want to be, and your experience can vary because of that, and you can still have a really good experience without worrying about the story or any background behind it but knowing it when you're really into it really just sort of makes it feel like something more and as, as somebody who loves reading all the lore notes or item descriptions in like an immersive sim or a, a souls like mm. um there's that there's that like monster bible that's in in your settings that like you continue to unlock and i you know the reading that is more satisfying than like the little you know a small amount of blood bonds you get mm. or a small amount of your premium currency that you get like i am sometimes i'm just like man i really want to i gotta just this time i just gotta go out and kill five more meatheads so i can read the next <laughs> little thing about them because i gotta know um and i think i think the the world of this just does some a couple really great things for me. First, I think the monster design is just stellar. Um, yeah. Not yeah. not only from a visual standpoint, but from like uh, a, an easy, efficient way to communicate information to the players. Um, like even with the standard zombies, like you have enough variance on the standard zombies that you you learn which ones to take out first. You can look at a pack of zombies and go, that one's holding a lantern. If that one hits me, I'm going to be on fire. That mm. one's holding a pistol. If he hits me, that's going to make a noise. It, that one's holding uh, a saw and I can see some flies around him. That one's going to poison me. Um, it's just it's, it's just extraordinarily efficient ways of communicating information to the player that um, is integrated into this absolutely beautiful art style. Um, and yeah. I think I think the same thing, like my, my favorite designed monster uh, as far as the regular ones is I just think the hive is so cool with the way absolutely. that the head is on the side and that like actually significantly changes your gameplay approach to it like you yeah like you're so used to you headshots above headshot you know you just headshot a little bit above the chest um and this is this completely changes the way you have to approach that because if it's facing the wrong way like you're gonna have to sneak around it to try and get that line that shot up uh, appropriately and uh you know it, it's interesting because while the enemies aren't necessarily challenging like they all have ways to be dealt with on a fairly efficient level like i think jay you were saying earlier that like if you don't pay attention to them they can really be a problem for you if another hunter comes around because not only are they not only can you get caught off guard by them and maybe get some damage from them but they also make the same amount of noise as like a 
you know, they're, they're also a noise trap in a way. Um, whether, you know, even if you're using a silenced way to take them down, um, they can still cause noise when they attack you. Like, uh, just earlier today, I had a, me and my buddy were out on a hunt and we ran across some hellhounds, which for me are just, I don't know why, they're always the ones that cause me the most trouble just because they're, bastards they are. Cause they're, they move faster, <laughs> they're, they're so much lower to the ground. Um, and like, you know, we got bit by them and, uh, you know, I'm just high, I'm just pulled back and tried to stop bleeding. And then suddenly my buddy's like, why am I bleeding? And then suddenly I took some damage. I'm like, uh, we are being shot with a bow and arrow. Get down. <laughs> so, like, you know, yeah. it was like, it was because we got in this open conflict with these, these dogs that, uh, suddenly we were easy targets, not only because we were damaged, but because everyone knew exactly where we were. Yeah. And it, isn't that smart that, you know, that you can take advantage of a team getting into chaos mm-hmm. with an enemy and make them not even notice. Cause you know, mm-hmm. I've been on, we've, I'm sure you've been on the end of that as well, where, you know, I, I think it was yesterday I had this thing with do- the dogs and I was try- just trying to get one off my teammate. He seemed to be really struggling with killing this fucking thing. So I got the machete out, just started getting that. And of course he fucking ran in the way of that and got hit with that. And then I, then out of nowhere I was down and I was like, yep. well, why the fuck am I down? And like, he went to revive me and then he was down and like, this is all of a sudden, we discover that, yeah, there's a guy just waiting all that time over there, just ready for us to do that. And he took out the entire team just waiting for that thing. You know, we hadn't seen anyone for about 10 minutes at that point. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was, yeah, patience personified. And it, it is such a thing that, you know, it is always a test of your patience mm-hmm. and your smarts, uh, you know, to sort of get a feel for what's going on in the world and, yeah, again, I like that about it. You can just say, well, I don't have to do the fucking busy work. I don't have to go and do all the things to, to find the beast. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in, in some cases, you can take an educated guess and go, you know what? I reckon it's over there mm-hmm. in that building. And you're right. And you don't have to do any of the fucking mm-hmm. clue stuff. And it gives you a nice free run at what you're doing for a bit. And if you're lucky, you know, that, that gives you a good head start on when you're doing the banishing act from them to come and get you mm-hmm. that you can set yourself up better. So yeah, it's little things like that are just really smart. And, and the more you play it, the more you realize the flexibility of the system and how well it works. And there's such a, there's such an instinct, like, especially for beginning players to just cut through all the monsters you can, because, you know, obviously you don't want to leave them behind, but sometimes there could be um, something said about like, if I'm approaching the um, if I'm approaching the boss and going into the boss, I'd rather have a hive patrolling outside mm. to be able to take somebody down and alert me. You know, the the hive is such a, a noisemaker as it is. So if I can sneak around that hive and not have to take it out before I go into the building to fight the boss, I've just left a I've just left a, left a trap out there for anybody. Who's yeah, coming. I mean, and you can lure enemies you know to certain areas you want them to be in and knowing that that would be like the key point that someone might come into mm-hmm. and yep once you're in the building they, they're not going to care so yeah they'll, they'll generally stick roughly around where they were mm-hmm. and so yeah just gotta, that, just gotta leave that meathead there and let somebody else yeah. deal with it <laughs> emulators i i think uh, if you have one around they are bad news for anyone because yep. <laughs> just like the first time you ever meet one of those is just like a what the fuck situation yeah. because you 
you headshot them and think, oh, yeah, just an enemy like that. And then they fucking decide, no, you know, I'm going to yep. burst into flames and run at you. And you're like, what the fuck is this? What's going on? <laughs> it's like, and it, it creates such madness. But then again, you get a learning process with that enemy where you can use that to your advantage and use, you know, shoot one from afar to make it go and burn out all the enemies in an area, mm-hmm. you know, and by hitting it just when it's close to one of those barrels. And again, so every enemy has a use and is a threat in its own right. And I love that that cycle is methodically thought of through every single enemy design. Even in the short amount of time that I've played, which was like over the course of the last week, you know, I feel like I've barely scratched the surface of the game itself, but not in the traditional sense that I mm. typically do with these types of games where it's like, well, I'll just get better and develop, you know, I'll get better at mastering the skills mm. of the character themselves, of utilizing equipment better or just getting like a refined aim and whatnot. But it's more so just like Neil had said, though, and you both have been saying like the multifaceted nature of the inhabitants of that world, other than the players, right? It could have been very easy for all of the AI controlled enemies to essentially be set dressing. Like I mentioned mm. earlier with the, you know, the animals that are in lot uh, livestock and whatnot that are in the world that act as like alarm triggers, but finding all these different ways in which you can use the enemies against your human controlled enemies uh, is an element that I think it furthermore just fuels that anecdotal nature of the fact that like we've mentioned, you can use the hive as basically an alarm system for a certain area, Mm. even the destructibles in the environment. Like sure you could run through and blow everything up to take out a group of these enemies, or what you could do is you could wait and basically camp an area that you know where the monster, the boss is going to be, and then you shoot a lamp that starts a fire, which then you know triggers the enemies and whatnot, and then all of a sudden you've blocked off an entire access point to an area where you know they're trying to get to to get that boss and collect that bounty, and you know if you've got a rifle and with a scope, they could be easy pickings depending on the environment, um, and that I think is the element that makes this game seem to have more longevity than I typically associate with a lot of multiplayer games in that at least I'm the type of person where it's like, sure, I could get really good at this if I dedicate, you know, weeks, months, potentially years at something. But at the end of the day, like, am I just reusing a lot of the skills that I've been using? And Mm. it's like, oh, I've, I've got a great shot now so I can prey upon like newbies or something. Or you could play a game like this that you don't necessarily get burnt out on that loop because the world itself has so many different avenues for success. Again, like I mentioned earlier. Um, And that's something that I think is a really interesting mechanic when it comes to the player progression, right? Mm. Because there is this, um, what is it, roguelite element Mm. with progression with characters, right? Because it's not the traditional setup with a multiplayer game where you have, you know, this character with this loadout and they follow you throughout your entire time with the game, Every single character that you have, granted, I'm a newbie, so I've been uh, fortunate that every time I get killed, my guy miraculously clings <laughs> to life, which I think probably changes when you get further into the game. Yes. But if mm-hmm. you have a guy that is kitted out with a great loadout, you feel comfortable with it, you've been spending points on perks or buying you know, new equipment, if that character gets killed in a match, then they might be gone forever. Yeah. And you essentially, you know, from a character perspective, go back to square one. Granted, we've been mentioning, you know, that progression system of leveling up your character or unlocking new access to weapons, which you, of course, have to go back and replay or rebuy. But I think that that's an element 
that, again, kind of empowers the player no matter how difficult things get. It instills that like one more match sort of methodology in that even when I'm having my worst days on this game, I'm still making some semblance of Mm -hmm. forward progress, uh, which is something that given how competitive and how, you know, again, how hardcore it can be, that's something that makes me want to revisit a game like this instead of being like, oh, I'll play this for the podcast and not think about it again mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's something that I could see myself diving back into for that gratification of no matter how this match goes, I'm making progress and I you know, might get frustrated getting killed, having to restart a character or roll a new character. But at the same time, thinking about the long game and that, okay, well... I earned all that XP. I've leveled up to a certain degree. So now I can get this new gun, which potentially opens up a new facet of strategy for me. And that's just something that I find to be very, you know, endearing, I suppose, about Mm -hmm. a game like this. And that, sure, it's difficult, but you at least don't feel like you're one step forward, three steps back. It always feels like you're taking more steps forward than you are back. Yeah, absolutely. I used to get really frustrated when... Uh, a like really high level guy got killed but then I just realized like you know you just gotta hold on loosely and <laughs> figure out what you know it's 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 almost more refreshing sometimes when you get when you have to like get a new hunter and then you're like oh what's he loaded out with and then you try and you know maybe you're like oh maybe I'll just run with this and you know save some money and see what the hell these guns are like maybe I don't use this gun a lot but this guy started with it so I might as well see what it's all about um, and it, well, you and it raised that you, point yeah. In the article that you wrote, you raise that very point, right? Mm-hmm. The idea that in having a death, you're potentially going to be exposed to a customization of equipment or mm-hmm. perks or something that you might not have thought to yourself. Or maybe even if you had access to all of those, you personally wouldn't lean in that mm-hmm. direction mm-hmm. for that configuration. But sometimes being forced into that configuration can get you again talking about this game, rewriting the way in which you think about multiplayer games or your maybe personal preferences i like that the game is challenging or pushing the player to rethink things because you know we all get set in our ways no matter what it is and it's nice to sometimes in a game that has all of these options to be forced in a certain direction and then basically you could end up learning a new mechanic or something or strategy that becomes part of your wheelhouse for your next five your next 10 hunters Mm -hmm. yeah there's a there's a very big temptation i find at least in like multiplayer games to just like stick with a loadout that you're used to yeah um Mm -hmm. but this it's like oh you know this guy came with this maybe i'll give it a shot and 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 you're actually incentivized for playing with other weapons because you know you've got your your standard version of the pistol but then if you use it more maybe you'll unlock the new type of ammo or you'll unlock the silenced version of it or you'll unlock the version of this pistol that has brass knuckles too um so like you're incentivized to keep trying new weapons when you know and 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 to unlock more variants on them and i think that's a a really smart way to to force you to to change it up a lot because yeah like i said i i sometimes am just you know like get my new character and then i put the exact same two guns on it and i'm (laughs) like okay let's go forward um but then every once in a while i'm like why am i doing this let's just let's just see what i can (laughs) play with it i haven't tried before I, i go to you know you go to the little arsenal tab on your on your um, menu and see what you need to do to unlock the next ones or something else. So you can, so you can keep trying new things because there are some, there's some really good things that are unlocked behind, um, behind some later levels that aren't necessarily like, you know, actually better, better, but like uh, provide yeah. you different opportunities. And I think I, it feels like everything, despite the fact that there are like varying levels of everything, everything feels still 
very balanced and very, uh, you know, there's not like one gun that I see everybody using because it's the one gun that's great. Yeah. I mean, that comes to me in like terms of how I do my approach. It's like, I'll I'll think, yeah, maybe this time I'll I'll do a snipey sort of uh, thing and try and hang back. You know, I'm shit at sniping generally, but as an option, it, it, it sort of rewards the idea of being cautious. But then, you think, well, secondary weapon, should it be yeah, a revolver that just you know, for close encounters? Or should you just take a machete so that you don't make the noise? And, you know, you just, all these little permeations of the same cycle come into your head. And it's like, you could play it so many ways. And it doesn't feel like anything on the surface, but it's there. And it, it could be the difference between your character making it to the next few levels or not. And one of the things I like about that sort of system with a character just sort of, you know, being dead permanently, you know, is that it doesn't matter what your skill level is. You could lose a high-level character because you were stupid once, you know, like that. It doesn't matter how good you are. You, know, you could make one mistake, you know, one assumption that went wrong and lose everything. And, you know, when you think of most multiplayer experiences, it's about, well, you built up, you got these skins, oh, now you got all these perks, that's it, you're great, you're brilliant, you know, fucking put the parade on for this guy, he's prestige 250, he can do it all, like that. All that requires is time. You know, you know, and even for me, where, you know, the age I am now, where I feel like skill is never going to be what it was. But I like this is a game that does fundamentally rely on skill and brain power. You know, first, you know, that they are the things that, that, that work in this game. You don't have to be really good at first person shooters to win in this game. You can just be, you know, of a mind that gets strategy. You know, you, you can take a strategy mind into this and do that. You can also just be a, like we were talking earlier about John Paul's comments, you know, you can just be a coward and like the minute it looks like it's going to go to shit, you can go, nope, you know what? Fuck off. I, I will leave this map and you don't, you know, and you're not punished for that. You, you can still get your XP, but you get to keep that character fighting for another day. It feels like a life that you have, you know, with that character that you know the mortality of that character and it makes it special. And, you know, this is clearly a thing that I love because the first thing it made me think of back when the game came out was, you know, XCOM straight away because it's like one of my favorite things about XCOM is the idea of just losing something that you have built up and made this big, wonderful thing over time and just, it just, nah. Yeah, it's like this one mission, one bullshit thing happened because you didn't do things right. And now you've lost this soldier that was doing everything, every mission like that. Yeah. Not because they were bad, but because you made the bad call. And I mean, Christ, I, I could even apply it to sports games. You know, I, I think in the past with, with soccer games where I've had that, where, uh, oh, yeah, I've had a player that's done really well. And then obviously, you forget that you put like a, a clause in his contract for a certain amount for him to be sold for. So you, 
if the, you know another team comes in with that amount, they're gone. That's it. And suddenly it's like you thought, oh, they'll be here forever. It's like the weird, cruel, cold nature of games and algorithms mean that that's it. It's done. And you've lost and you feel betrayed by it and you feel... You have to keep thinking. And I love that about games when you do have that, that consequence that feels final, that at its core, it's pretty much like a thing that stems back to arcades. The idea of like, you're only as strong as how much you have in your wallet, you know, and here it's, you know, it's you're only as strong as how, you know, how sharp your brain is uh, in, in any given situation. And yeah, that is a, a magical thing about Hunt Showdown is that you do have that. And I can't think of another first person shooter that really has that, you know, especially when you do compare it to a battle royale game. It's like, yeah, you don't win. So you're out of the match, but you don't lose that character. Mm-hmm. You, you're not done with that. You, you don't lose, I mean, you don't lose progress because you get progress, but you lose something that gives you an edge in battle you know, like that and to lose that means you go back to the beginning so to speak and yeah I, I find that really really important in why Hunt continues to be an exciting prospect yeah and I think it's it's important that like if you're going to be giving the player a chance to like leave early and stuff mm. like that you have to give them a reason to like it, it makes death means something like i find mm-hmm. that so many multiplayer games like you know really fast-paced ones where it's just like you you walk out of the spawn point you die in 10 seconds mm-hmm. and then you're just back another three seconds like it, it sometimes that just comes off feeling like cheap and chaotic and, and doesn't feel like you're like you know you, you end up not caring as much because it's just like well i'm just gonna die and it's not gonna mean anything and then i'll be back um whereas this it's like well, no, I want to, like, you know, I, I have that moment anytime I see the banishing going, like, yeah. it's like, do I just cut and run? I've, I've, I've spent a whole bunch of time, like, gathering a whole bunch, like, you know, I gather yeah. a bunch of stuff. If I, if I, if I die here, I'm only going to get half the experience points. Should I, you know, and you, you, <laughs> like, I literally freeze in my tracks sometimes where I'm just like, okay, what do I do? Um, and I think that that's a really compelling, compelling thing. And it only, it only becomes like a meaningful choice because, you do lose something like, you yeah, know, you, you meaningfully lose something, um, which again, kind of, you know, wraps it into being like a horror game, you know, yeah. like there's, there's absolutely consequences, you know, there's absolute consequences and that ups the, the tension of, of the game in a very significant way. Yeah. I mean, it's more, survi- more survival horror than most survival mm-hmm. horrors in that respect, because yep. you do just, you are putting everything on the line with every character mm-hmm. and they, once, you know, especially if you're on your own, if they lose that fight, that's it. They're gone. You, you've lost them forever. There's no no one to carry you in that regard. I was going to say the hesitation that we feel, I think, in that type of moment, Aaron, is because, you know, a majority of multiplayer experiences are so regimented. It's all mm. or nothing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would hope that games like Hunt and potentially ones that are inspired by that realize that, like, to keep that fan base or that player base going – like everybody has to leave a match no matter how they did feeling successful because mm-hmm. otherwise like that's the thing is that you hit that wall or a certain portion of people hit that wall and whatnot. And I think that, you know, it helps of course that Hunt is having this event that's seeing a resurgence, but I would bet even in the short amount of time that I've spent with the game, 
I can see how this game is one that really gets its hooks into you in a way that maybe other horror multiplayer games don't have that same kind of return rate in because hmm. it's the type of thing where it's all or nothing. It's, hey, I either had a really great match or I had a shit match. And if you have too many shit matches in a row, if you're like me, you get frustrated and you're like, well, fuck this. I'll go play one of 9,000 other games in my Steam library or something. But <laughs> with a game such as this, like, it's something that I just, you know, I'm ad nauseum now of saying this. It's just, it feels so rewarding despite the fact that I can get killed in a single shot. Um, it's the type of thing, though, where I'm like, okay, I'm going to get over that initial frustration, but then realize like, oh, I made significant progress and maybe leveling up a gun or my character or my um, rather my player level. And then all of a sudden I'm like, well, why don't I run one more and then I can you know, yeah. get me over the hump for a milestone or I'll run and do a trial. And then the trials will, you know, you can unlock rewards basically through that, which furthermore, you know, it's not just like, a generic shooting range kind of thing, or it's, you know, walk around and study the environments. It's like giving the player hands-on combat experience in these very, you know, limited means, but at the same time, you're exploring environments that are going to then be the same environments that multiplayer and having some sort of semblance of stakes is going to be in, but then also, you know, familiarizing yourself with certain weapons that you don't have access to right away, Mm -hmm. which I think is a pretty cool feature because then if you do enough of the trials like I had done, by the time I unlocked certain guns, it was almost like there was, I had superseded the learning curve with that firearm or getting a true mastery of it. Because, you know, when you're doing a trial, which is the closest thing to like a single player mode, granted, if you don't perform well, you're not going to earn as much of uh, the stars that can be spent on unlocking things, but the stakes are basically non-existent, right? Because it's all up to the player and it's like, okay, you're not going to die. And well, you can, I guess, in some of them, but overall, it's not going to hinder your progress. So you basically have free reign with certain equipment that you don't in the multiplayer side of things, which for somebody like me, it kind of helps with the you know initial anxiety yeah. of the learning curve that comes with a new rifle or having a rifle that doesn't have a sight on it initially. And then, you know, you'll unlock a version that does later. But I just find that to be something that is very welcoming too, because it's like, I don't always feel like playing a multiplayer game, but I sure would like to progress that character in a way that maybe don't have to necessarily go down that rabbit hole of like, okay, but then I get killed right away or something like that, Um, which I like because, I mean, with multiplayer games, the majority of the time, the only real like single player component is a shooting range. And, you know, what do you really get out of that? Uh, So while obviously Hunt doesn't have a single player mode, uh, that is, I think, a nice you know, a nice compromise, I suppose, to appease some of those uh, fans that want that, if you will. Yeah, it familiarizes you with the maps as well, which is, is quite handy. I, I think it more than anything, you, it's because of how open the maps are, knowing where certain aspects of it are become more and more important the higher sort of level players you come up against. And you know, to... In the same way that you do with any open world game, where you know knowing a certain route makes it easier to get through certain points, you need that. And yeah, I think Trials offers up a lot. You know, despite how simple it is, it really does tell you how to play the game in the most basic fashion, which is what you need in a lot of cases. Mm. You know, it teaches you how to snipe you know which 
isn't complicated in itself, but it, it, it shows you how hard it is to do that with moving targets, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it shows you how to take on waves of enemies without, you know, getting damaged, which can seem really difficult, you know, when, you, when you're in the middle of something. But, yeah, it, as a training experience, it is amazing, I think. And I, it's a subtle sort of thing in that regard, but it really does the job. Well, I wish I had uh, done the training before jumping into my first multiplayer match. There's nothing, there's <laughs> I mean, it nothing, wasn't there for me. When when mm-hmm. you start that game for the first time back then, trial, oh, yeah, trials yeah. weren't there. So, you know, oh, it's like, there you go. So, you know, I've come back into them recently just because I like doing the sniper, you know, the sniper stuff and, and seeing how that works. And yeah, it gets you used to certain areas of, of the map. There are good snipe spots, you know, for instance, or there are spots where, like, yeah, here's a place that is a choke point, effectively, for certain enemy types. And that's what I like about, especially about it, is that they don't feed you stuff that isn't actually going to happen in the game. You know, that they, they give you points on the map where you are likely to encounter this situation here. So this is the training for this particular point of this map and that in itself is you know great to have you you suddenly find yourself learning things that you 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 know no matter how many hours you put in at that point you've learned something new and yeah it's really an understated part of the game now you know that is you know everyone wants to know new concept updates and oh i know how to play the game blah 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 but for newcomers to have stuff that the trials mode in adds a, I wouldn't say stress-free, but it adds a, an element to the game that is useful and calmer than having to worry about when some other dude is going to blow your brains out while you're trying to do something else. You know, it, it really just shows you how the game works in small ways. It also teaches you that there's no uh, auto reloading because otherwise you end up like me where you end up dry firing in somebody's face because it doesn't auto reload. So definitely recommend people check out the trial mode before that. Another thing that's uh, kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum is if you if you want to learn better about like surviving like a, a quick firefight um the quick play mode is kind of yeah. interesting in that like i haven't done a terrible amount of quick play mode but that has been like a real a real way for me to just focus on like pvp combat because that's all it is you know it's it's just basically like well we just have all these great mechanics for hunt so let's just quick make a battle royale mode and it it works surprisingly well and it and it really has like helped me hone like the the quick reflex of like seeing somebody quick pulling up my gun and putting him down with a shotgun shot or whatever. Um, and I think that's just another kind of interesting layer where if you want some more practice with that specific aspect of the game, you can just, you can just focus on that for a while because it takes out that whole, um, the whole actual hunting part of the like monster hunt part. So I think that one, that mode's kind of a, an interesting way to, to keep mixing it up while still being kind of the same game. Well, it kind of, facilitates the same aspect of the trial mode in the sense that in the trials rather in the sense that 
you know, their stakes are fairly low in that you don't have to worry about, you know, losing that character. And that's how I started playing in that I was like, well, I'll mess around with that. And it does instill a sense of confidence in the player that it's like, okay, you can take risks in this mode because it's essentially risk-free to a certain extent. And, you know, that lets you really become familiar with that experience of a gunfight and not getting super, you know, I mean, the hesitation is always going to be there, the anxiousness, but it Mm. helps alleviate a little bit of that, I think, Um, which then at the end of the day, when you go back and do the bounty mode, it just feels like this whole new world because you feel somewhat competent in one regard. And while going about a bounty and not necessarily engaging with the PVP side of things, like that can be just as viable. And again, it talks about this idea that the game has multiple avenues of success and whether that success is something imposed by the player, like, oh, I want to hit this milestone or, you know, it's viable in the way in which the game deals out rewards, Uh, whether you want to go after, you know, the monsters and whatnot, or you want to go after players. And, you know, I think that that is very rare. And that's definitely something that I think other multiplayer games can learn from in terms of, you know, having this uh, live service, you know, quality of life that goes on years after it. It's like, well, you need to create from the ground up an experience that rewards multiple types of players and in something other than you get to be top three at the end of the match and yeah. have your kills displayed or something like it can't just be that and you know i think more games were seeing that in terms of what success looks like yes. instilling a player base that is not only you know larger but is retaining repeat players um and i think that that's hopefully a trend that games such as hunt you know having this sort of second wind recently having continued content support and events, you know, hopefully that's the type of thing that we'll see more of in this space. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as you did, there are more games like that. Um, uh, GTFO has very much an element of that, you know, in that you are having this very tension-heavy, risk-heavy situation with teammates, and whereas that is not PvP, it's still there, and you know, to a lesser extent, the Rainbow Six Extraction copies that and uh, takes it a little more to the hunt level. But there really is nothing quite like hunt. You know, it, it it does what it does, and I think in this, you know, I know now why we don't have um, games using the Nemesis system from Middle Earth: Shadow of Mordor and War. Is that you know they had a copyright thing on it, but at the same time, even when that that sort of studio base, they didn't use it for other games that would have made sense. And you're like, oh, why wouldn't you? But then you think, well, because it's really intimidating when someone comes up with a concept that really works that in a particular way that you have to do it right or it fucks it completely like that. You see it ironically, in the Battle Royale genre, where so many games try to do that thing that Fortnite PUBG did and fail because they they misunderstand the fundamental point of what makes that work. And Hunt, you really have to get it. You really have to know what you're doing and that is difficult with, with the setup you have here without you know completely ripping it off and anyway any the only people that are going to completely rip off something like that 
are going to be bigger studios than Crytek. And I guarantee someone will try, but um, because, like I said, Rainbow Six Extraction shows that people will try and copy an indie or a smaller game, you know, because you know, that is a blatant copy of what GTFO does. But Hunt, I don't know, it really does so much right that in its own particular way, it feels very Crytek in so many ways, where it feels like ahead of the curve. You know, the jokes about Crytek that have gone in the past about, you know, can this run Crisis, you know, and stuff like that. They're, they're jokes for a reason, because they push the envelope on technology. And here, this is pushing an envelope on gameplay. In that, oh, sure, it's simple as a concept. And yeah, okay, the idea is you do this, do this, do that. That's the game. It takes a very simple concept and gives you a multitude of options within that, depending on who you're playing and what situations that brings up. And yeah, I don't think you can really replicate that very easily without just blatantly copying what Crytek have done. Well, that's what connects something like Hunt to something like Crisis, right? Is the fact mm. that player freedom and player choice, they can be a single player linear experience or a multiplayer competitive experience. But what really connects those and speaks to, you know, their ethos in game design is player choice. Yeah. Um, and rewarding them in more ways than one. In single player, obviously, it's more anecdotal. You're still going to progress the same as anybody else, but you have those options. And in Hunt, when you're thinking about an experience that has longevity to it, again, no matter what your sort of preordained uh, sort of approach to a majority of those types of games are, you, you can play that way. But you can be just as successful trying other things. Yes. And again, pushing the player in the same direction for multiplayer, no matter the path they take. For people like me, I think that, you know, I use myself as an example again because. I don't play a great deal of these types of games and I typically bounce off of them after a while because you just get too regimented and then, you know, eventually I kind of have this stagnant experience where I'm like, I'm kind of just doing the same thing and the uh, the allure of being in the top five or top three or whatever is kind of gone. Uh, it's You know, I mentioned PUBG earlier. That's why I bounced off of that. I was like, well, I can only, you know, get a chicken dinner so many times before that starts to lose its yeah. you know, appeal or, you know, clipping that and putting it on social media or whatever. But with a game like this, again, it speaks to not only progressing the character, expanding your arsenal, but having that anecdotal nature, both PVP and PVE. Mm -hmm. It just speaks to, again, having multiple different types of feelings of success that, you know, makes for a good story, whether I survive the end of an encounter or not. Yeah. And I think Fortnite is a game that understood that in time that, you know, having a, pvp versus the sort of situation within the map would really be important to sort of change up things you know and they started adding aspects to that i think back to about 2019 when they started doing like the star wars stuff and they had stormtroopers on the map that you know were ai controlled and they would be in there and it would you know, add, you know it added a danger that wasn't just other players and you know in a microcosm sort of way just as hunt was in its early access phase it got that it got that basic idea of what you need to do to progress the multiplayer game 
as it is. I think it needs to be more than that in any of these films. You know, I think what Hunt does is crucial and important. And then I know we've brought this up once already about um, you know it, it being kind of fitting that we talk about this the week the prey came out because the other thing about it is that Crytek and what they've done kind of works with the idea of ever having like hunt if not hunt you know having a whole other game but having a predator based thing with hunt or a predator game from Crytek because you know you think of crisis yeah you know, they had the cloaking suit, they have all that stuff, they did all that, and the very predator-esque stuff in it. And then you had this, which, you know, <laughs> me and Aaron had this joke over Twitter, you know, about this, you know, like, you're getting, getting these prey, you know, hunt showdown vibes about prey, you know, because it is, it, you just suddenly think, fucking hell, yeah, this, this would fit, this would fit so well. Not even in the same timeline, you know, it's two, 200 years difference, but yeah, the idea of like old school weapons and predators and monsters, it would so work for this game. And I would really, really love to see that mixed with this. And if not that, a whole game, you know, that was to the side of that, that was a predator-based game that was set in a an older era. Because I think it would really be fucking awesome. Yeah. I don't think we fully talked about it yet, but um I think that the like my favorite part about the the use of the setting is mm. is the is the weapons themselves. Like the mm. fact that everything about the weapons is so just matches that deliberate style of play. Like like Jay, what you were saying earlier about how the, the trials mode trained you that there's no auto reload. Like you reload a bullet at a time in this game and reloading is like a very significant choice to do. Like you, if you're reloading in the middle of a fight, it's a, it's a bad situation. So like every single shot counts in this. And I think that is one of the, one of the strongest sources of tension, both like um, in, in making the boss fights, even though like, even though boss fights are mostly like kind of a foregone conclusion, like it's, it's, pretty rare to lose to a boss for the most part unless like somebody unless like somebody jumps in jumps you while you're fighting it um but it's still you still have to think about it like you know you you, like you came in you're like i've got i've got a single shot shotgun so like i have to you know as my primary weapon i gotta go up to that thing shoot it in the face and then run to go and reload and everything about that is just so so smart and it, it balances all the weapons too like you know if you have a if you have a really strong rifle that's good at a distance, it's going to only have one shot. You know, mm. if you've got if you've got a if you've got a chain pistol that's got you know eighteen shots in it, that thing is not going to be as accurate or as you know have as quite as much stopping power as something else. And I think the it's such a perfect meld of of setting and theme um, with with um, gameplay and in ways that it just like really makes you think about every every action you take uh throughout the whole match and i think that's one of the one of the greatest sources of tension for the game is is just the the way the weapons are and i love that well i love that the the weapons themselves too you know there is somewhat of a fantasy element to their construction mm-hmm. in that what if hunters from that era could you know 
make these weapons of war even more so like attuned to a world that's filled with monsters. Like you said, those pistols that they've essentially put uh, a chain through so they can fire, you know, you've got like 20 shots between two of those pistols that are very much like classic Western pistols, which, you know, I would venture do not, was not a thing back (laughs) in the day, but just seeing how somebody would take those weapons from that era and attune them to a world of that era that's filled with monsters and this fantasy element and seeing their gear be representative of that, I just think that's one of those elements that really furthermore just immerses you into that world. Like there's one of the repeater rifles where there's a knife on the handle of the repeater that you have to cock, which then clearly like you can use as a melee weapon too, right? You know, it probably is not super practical (laughs) if you were to use it in real life and end up cutting your fingers off or something. But like in this world of monster hunting, it just, it adds more texture to that world and it makes it feel like, oh, well, these people that you're, you know, embodying have been doing this for so long. They're going to make these drastic alterations to their equipment because, you know, very much like uh, the fact that if they die in a match, they're gone for good. That kind of shows you the stakes of the world before you even, you know, encounter your first spider or your first butcher yeah. or monster or whatnot. Yeah, and it also it also makes you um, think about that when you're doing your loadout, like. I know it's like when you have you have like a certain amount of things that like at least for me like I have a certain amount of things that I like I need I know I need to have when I go in yes. you know it's like I should have a knife to take out zombies or something sharp you know if I don't have a knife maybe I have uh, that shotgun that has a hatchet on the front um, <laughs> you know I should probably have a blunt weapon like like a like brass knuckles because in case I have to fight an immolator well if I have the revolver that has brass knuckles on the handle. I don't need to take a, you know, that frees up my slot for something else. Um, and the, and the, the variety of equipment in this game, um, all of them are very useful. So it is, it is a super intense choice to make of like what you're bringing. Like, you know, yes. I, you know, I could bring this first aid kit that has three, that has three, you know, uses in it. Or I could save that for something a little more defensive. Like, you know, uh, it, it becomes indispensable when you can put these mines around when you're banishing. Like, you know, I had a match the other day where, like, I don't usually take alert mines, but it saved my ass completely because I put, like, a little <laughs> alert mine around a door and it went off and I just immediately, like, chucked a, a firebomb at that door and cut that guy off and was able to <laughs> grab a bounty and sprint. Um and if it weren't for that alert mine, I probably wouldn't have known that guy was coming and would have had to have an actual firefight. Um, so, like, having those choices with all of your equipment and how they each have their own utility and they each, you know, sometimes often have their own counter. Like, you know, the the poison mines seem really good, but if somebody has an antidote shot, poison isn't as effective. And all these all these different ways to make nothing completely dominant, but everything's still very useful. That. I think also, you know, the pickups in the world, right? You Mm -hmm. come across pickups, which are different melee weapons, which initially somebody might be like, well, well, how is that better than a gun? But then again, that plays into the idea that sound management is almost as important, if not more important than your loadout, right? And so that makes those a viable tool for a significant portion of the early beginnings of a match. Mm -hmm. But then also you can pick up lanterns, which, you know, you could use as a Molotov or like the example you just gave, you can block off a point of entry, which then, you know, becomes this, okay, there's two entrances. I'm going to block one. Now they have to come through here. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we have um, the bear traps, right? And bear traps can be the same thing where you're going to hear them trigger. And it's the type of thing where it's like, well, I forgot to include that in my loadout but all of a sudden i can prioritize that 
So it's one of those things that I think really just furthermore speaks to giving the player choices, whether it's them selecting a loadout or adapting on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that at the end of the day that, you know, having a game that presents the player with lots of choices is always going to be a positive thing. It allows yeah. there to be an ebb and flow to matches that doesn't feel, I don't know about archaic, but like regimented, right? If you get to a certain point in something, I'm thinking of like Rainbow Six Siege, right? If it gets down to 1v1, by that point in the match, I probably only have a certain amount of options in something. Whereas in a game like Hunt, I feel like it's much more free-flowing in going with where the player's at moment to moment rather than, oh, well, you've got this beginning portion and then the middle and then the end of the uh, round. Whereas in Hunt, it kind of feels like, well, it's hard to nail down any sort of pattern or mm. you know a strategy that has to be done at a certain point in the match because things can you know go haywire at a moment's notice. But just because a plan doesn't go according to you know, what they expected to happen, there's still multiple avenues of success or to get out of it. Mm. Um, and I think that that's something that's incredibly rewarding. Uh, and yeah, I guess in just wrapping up, like I appreciate you bringing this game to us so we could chat about it. Cause it's one that I hadn't had any experience with, but you know, it becomes almost apparent immediately why this is a standout from, you know, all the litany of other horror mm. multiplayer experiences that are out there. Yeah. I've been really, I've been trying to make a more, concerted effort to try more multiplayer games recently like i'm not i haven't traditionally been into multiplayer games and then it was kind of like last year when redfall was announced i was like well i guess i have to learn how to play multiplayer games i guess i have to get into a rhythm with where i can find people to play with all the time or like figure out how all that works um and uh you know i I think i tried back for blood i played back for blood pretty consistently for a while um, but, you know, I, and I also played a little bit of Evil Dead um, and that didn't grab me quite as much. But like Hunt has just completely grabbed me because like even if it's a familiar, even if it's a like uh, a familiar thing and I'm doing the same thing every round, like everything seems like fresh every time. You know, it, it's it, when I get into like a prolonged firefight, it is one of the most tense things in in video games for me. Um, it's it's. Every time it feels it feels tense and I can feel like my my heart racing like you know it, it's 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 a really exhilarating experience. Um, it's great. Well, I think that's definitely like a rarity now. You know, we've been talking about mm-hmm. multiplayer games where it's like combat almost becomes an afterthought because it's like, well, I'm going to die and then I'm going to respawn probably mm-hmm. and then we'll just get right back to it. Whereas having degrees of stakes in Hunt, I think, is what allows that you know to not fall into that pitfall of a lot of multiplayer games. But yeah. Um, as always, it's awesome having you on the show to chat about games in depth, and uh, we look forward to chatting with you again, hopefully in the future. For sure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Safe Room. If you enjoy the show, please rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Safe Room Pod for show updates. You can also email us saferoompod at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next Monday.